Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. How many of you are ready for the Word of God? Are you ready? Thank you, Mr. Danny Mendez. Why don't you go ahead, stand to your feet. You doing good? I think we're starting the fourth service just on time with people moving over. Our 1pm has become our most vibrant, loudest, full of faith. That's six months ago. I was about to quit on the 1pm, but uh, you guys turned it around. I appreciate you. By the way, just let me celebrate this. Uh, our church just gave uh, $21,000 this week to India to build three churches. And uh, can we put our hands together for that? So thank you to the generosity of our church and especially a special couple there who made, who made that happen. Man, so many good things happening across our church. Uh, 6 a.m. men's prayer, 110 men Tuesday. Vilani, come on. You know Brian does comedy? I don't know if you know that. This guy does comedy over here. I'm going to have to get you up here one of these Sundays. Just tell us a joke. I mean, 1 p.m. Maybe 6 p.m. Yeah, all right. You work on it. Think about it. Yeah, let's go. Title of my talk is Battle Strong. Someone say Battle Strong. Strong. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to have to listen to this one three times. Because he wrote especially for you. Just go and tell him. He wrote especially for you. Now turn to that same person, next person. Just go, you're going to have to listen to this four times. Because my SAT score was higher than yours. That's right. My SAT score is higher than yours. Isaiah 61 verse verse 1. This would have to be one of my favourite passages of Scripture. I feel like it is. If there's a passage of Scripture that would be the summation, I think, of our church, it actually probably is this one right here. So are you ready for it? Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, speaking of Christ. Because the Lord has anointed me, speaking of Him and His church, to proclaim good news. Someone say good news. Good news to the poor, the poor in spirit it means. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom. Someone say freedom. Freedom. Someone say freedom. Freedom. There you go. I I knew you were ready for that one. Freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow means to give on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair and they will be called some say they will be some say we will be some say I will be They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendour. And they, someone say they. They. That's why we need to serve, isn't it? They will 
will rebuild the ancient ruins. That's what you do when you serve and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank You. I thank You for every man. Thank You for every woman. Lord, in the Name of Jesus, bless them, strengthen them. Holy Spirit, I invite Your grace, Your power, Your fire, Your goodness, Lord. Breathe upon Your sons and daughters. Elevate Jesus in this place. Elevate the Name of the Lord in this place. Lord, lift faith and lift burdens. Break what no one else can break, Father. Lord, set people free and impart onto them faith and the gift of courage, Lord. Lord, do what only You can do. Bless marriages and homes, Lord, businesses. Lord, bless minds and hearts in the Name of Jesus. Bless the sick, Lord, I pray too. Lord, heal someone in their body today. Heal a back and heal an ankle, God. Heal a knee, heal. Heal things that only You can heal, Lord. In the Name of Jesus, we thank You and we pray. Come on, pray this simple prayer with me. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Open my heart to hear You, to see You. By faith, I declare, I will be changed. By faith, I declare, I can become all You desire. I throw off fear. I throw off guilt. I step into faith right now in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, come on one more time. Give the Lord a hand in the house of God. And we thank God for His goodness and grace. Praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you, guys. Go ahead, grab your seat. Life's not all sunshine and roses, is it? It's not all sunshine and roses. It's sometimes blessings and sometimes battles. This week, I had um, the opportunity, I would call it the opportunity um, to overcome something, I'll call it that. The opportunity to overcome something. I was driving on 21 and uh, I was dropped off my kids at school, heading to work, drive over what I thought was a piece of kind of cardboard on the road. It wasn't a piece of cardboard. It's like, it must've been metal or something. So I drove over it and then I heard a bang and then my car started doing this. My tire literally popped 30 seconds later. I was at the side of the road and uh, I'm like, man, I'm gonna have to change my tire on the highway. And I was like, the devil is a liar. I am not doing this. I don't want some crazy person looking on their phone, taking a selfie of themselves and just crashing into me while I'm under a car, Uh uh-uh. So I know you're not meant to drive once you puncture your tire, but I just kept on kind of driving, found the nearest off-ramp, get to the off-ramp. And then I'm like, I'm a man, I can change this tire, let's go. Had to get out the Toyota manual thing because I didn't even know how to get the tire down. I didn't realize that was complicated. I'm like, it's not turning. And there was this fancy little way to do it. And uh, I was feeling good about myself. I was starting to jack up the tire. And then I realized that the tool that was used to take off those nuts off the tire, it was in the other car. So I was like, man, and out of nowhere, like an angel, like the Holy Spirit, this man just seemed to float my way. And he didn't speak very good English, but I knew he was there to help me. He just goes, (laughs) he literally just like did a bunch of signs. Like, I'm like, he goes to the car. He gets out this fancy jack, jacks up my car. Like one minute, I felt like, 
a union worker, if you know what I mean, just watching him work. Just <laughs> felt good about myself as I was watching him. But, but he did take away a little bit of my manhood, I'll be honest. Like I was like, I thought, I was like, I'm a man, I can do this. And the truth was, I, I was missing the tool. Sometimes life is like that, actually. God has actually set it up like that. You're like, how come life isn't working? This guy is like, because you need me. How come life isn't going exactly like I planned? I thought I was a man. I thought I was a woman. I thought I was gifted. I thought I was talented. And you are gifted and you are talented. But but God has set up life so that you need Him. I want to talk to you today along this thought in this 1 p.m. faith-filled, good-looking service. I want to talk to you along this thought today, battle strong. Someone say battle strong. If there was an assignment I have on my life, I believe if on this church's life, on its leadership, on all the, anyone who leads in this church, serves in this church, I pray that you leave church battle strong. I pray that you leave full of faith. I pray that you came in, maybe, maybe your, your week was like my week and your tires felt slashed, but you come out and say, it was like someone came alongside me and all of a sudden infused faith into me. Or maybe it was like my wife's week and someone literally stole her identity how many of you know that the devil's after your identity? Yeah. Oh, he's looking for access for your identity. Don't share the passcode. <laughs> Don't share the passcode to your identity. That's from God alone. Yeah. Someone say amen. amen. So I have three big assignments I'm going to try to cover in a number of minutes. Who is God? Who is the enemy? And how can you be battle strong? Does that sound good? Who is God? Who is the enemy? And how can you be battle strong? The text refers in Isaiah chapter 61 of one of the names of God. Someone say one of the names. One of the names of God. It refers to the Lord as the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord. He is known by many names because they simply reveal the great many and wondrous characteristics of God. Theologians call it Well, theologians kind of define God in these three attributes, all creative, all powerful, all knowing. The omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God, and the omnipresence of God. He is everywhere. Someone say all powerful. God created the atoms and the galaxies and everything in between, the stars and the moon, the seasons and the seas. Listen to His command. He's the author of both the giraffe and the butterfly. Like think of the difference between those two things. The, oh, you really, you made the giraffe and the butterfly. That's a little different, don't you think? He is creative. He made the lion and the lamb. He made the finch and the hummingbird and the eagle too. He made the whale and the goldfish. This big and this big. David put it like this. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God says, the skies proclaim the works of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. You might say to yourself, I never heard God's voice. Yes, you have. Just watch His creation. It's shouting at you. Yeah, Are you with me? Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to meet the maker of my watch to know someone made this watch. How about you? I know that it has order. It has creativity. Therefore, someone ordered and creative is behind it. Yeah. He is all-knowing. Someone say All-knowing. He is the author of morality and will not change his mind. He knows what is good for man. 
and what is bad for mankind. He is not culturally confused. He is not old fashioned, but he is holy. He is the maker of mankind and therefore he defines them and gives them their boundaries. He knows what is a man, he knows what is a man and a woman and he's not too politically correct to say it. Ooh, I'm preaching to someone. Let me say this very clearly again, just because we have compassion for people that have individual unique situations doesn't mean we rip away all the foundations of life itself. Oh, it is great, great foolishness to actually say anything other than in the beginning, God made male and female. God loves you if you deal with those types of issues, but let me say again, truth is the foundation of family. Truth is the foundation of the blessing of God. If you thought America did some nasty things when it was founded on God's principles, imagine how nasty a things they'll do when they rip away the principles of God and the Word of God. You'd be scared what would happen in 50 years and 100 years if we rip away all the foundations. Are you with me? He is all loving. Someone say all loving. His love is so big that you don't need to agree with Him for Him to love you. That's how good God is. He actually loves the atheist. He loves you if you're an atheist in here. He loves you. Loves you if you're a deist. He loves you if you worship everyone and He loves you if you worship yourself. He still loves you. In fact, He can't not not love you because He is love. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. He doesn't have love. He doesn't just have eros love, that, that, that sexual attraction love. He doesn't just have phileo love, that friendship love based on experience. No, God is agape love. He is love. Can I get a good amen? amen. He is not a nameless God. He has a name. He's not a faceless God. He is not the universe, though He made the universe. He's not whatever you want Him to be. You didn't create him and you can't uncreate him. He doesn't need you to believe in him, but he invites you to have faith like a child. God loves you. God loves me so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever, someone say whoever, black, white, Asian, Middle Eastern, yellow, purple skin, don't care what skin color you are, whoever you are, God gave his best for you. Oh, who is God? He is Father. It means strength of the house. He is Son. Let's talk about the Son for a moment. I'm talking about the Son, speaking of Jesus. The Son is the reflection of the invisible God. The Son is God becoming flesh. You want to know what God is like in human flesh? Read Matthew, read Mark, read Luke, read John. He goes by the names Jesus. Emmanuel, he said about himself, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the bread of life. What does that mean? It means I alone satisfy. He says, I am the door. It is how you enter heaven. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the true vine. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the one who was and is and is to come. That's the Son. Let's talk about the Spirit for a moment. Someone say Father. Father. Someone say Son. Son. Someone say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not a force, it's not an it, it is the third person of the Trinity. When Jesus speaks about the Spirit, He uses the reference He, but when He, the Holy Spirit has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will show you what is yet to come. It is not just a force, it's not a feeling, though He'll give you feelings. It's not a power, though He has power. He is the one though who will point you to Jesus. Are you with me? He is the guide of the Christian life. He is the power of the Christian life. He is the spirit of the living God. When that man came alongside me just on Wednesday and helped me with my attire, maybe it was Monday or Tuesday, that's the Holy Spirit. It's a good picture of the Holy Spirit. Life's broken, it's not working. You're trying to figure it out. And out of nowhere, someone comes along and says, do you want my help? I said, yes, I do. And if you say, yes, you do, guess what? He'll come along and He will guide you and lead you, comfort you. He will heal you. He will pour a fresh oil on your world. I've found so many times in praise and worship in this church, man, there's like a fresh oil that comes upon my world and upon my mind. It's a fresh oil. That's the anointing of God. Do you know the Bible says that we all like sheep? Someone say, bah. <laughs> Turn to your neighbour and say, Yo, you did pretty good at that. <laughs> sheep are... Very defenseless animals, they need their shepherd. The Bible says that actually, uh, history would tell us this, that a shepherd will come alongside a sheep and he'll pour fresh oil on the sheep because he gets these bugs. And if he doesn't get the oil, these bugs will eventually go into their mind and drive him crazy. How many know that you need the fresh oil of God to make sure you're not anxious, not fearful, not religious, not just stressed out? Have you ever noticed that sometimes you're just mad for no reason? <laughs> I know that person, no, 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 that, that, that's not what you mean, but the person next to you, yeah, I see it. You ever just notice like sometimes you're like, why, why am I mad? We don't even know why. It's because we need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. You don't need that other thing you've been doing. You need the presence of God. <laughs> Let me spend a couple of minutes on the enemy, if that's okay. <clears throat> he doesn't get too much of our focus, but you are spiritually ignorant if you don't think he is real. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war. Someone say wage war. Against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold their fast or hold fast their testimony about Jesus. The Bible refers to him as Satan or Lucifer. He is called the fallen angel. Um, he is the enemy of God, first of all, then he is the enemy of every Christian. He's not just the enemy of every Christian, he's the enemy of every man and every woman. Why? Because when, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he is so enraged at God that he simply sees you and knows that you are the reflector of the image of God and so he hates you and you didn't realise you were born into a world at war. How many know that when you first came out of the womb, the, 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 the doctor smacked your bum? That should have been a sign you live in a world at war. 
He's called the, the, one of his titles is the God of this world. He's literally titled the God of this world. He is not dressed in red with a pitchfork showing up once a year on Halloween. Actually, he dresses as an angel of light. He is the deceiver. He lures and baits. And when you open the door, he will weasel his way in and steal your identity and steal your faith and steal your hope and steal your love. The, the devil is like a pimp. I'm talking a P-I-M-P. I'm talking <laughs> pimp. Why? Because he's manipulative and controls people and says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guide you. But then try to leave a pimp. Won't let you leave. Why? Because he doesn't love you. Just using you. That's the enemy of your soul. The enemy is, again, it's not, he's not showing up just on Halloween. He shows up in movies. Lots of movies, if I'm really honest. He shows up sometimes through people. He, so, he shows up sometimes through songs. He shows up. How many of you know that you and I, as, as a Christian, we, we war against the triune evil, which is the flesh, which is internal, the world, which is external, and the, the devil. It is the evil triune nature that you and I must wrestle. That's why sometimes you meet some Christians, say, they're a Christian, but how come they're a hypocrite? Because they're giving into the flesh. Don't just leave church because there's hypocrites. How many know you can be a hypocrite too? <laughs> I'm trying. <clears throat> you can give in to the flesh or you can give in to the spirit. And sometimes the culture around us, it's so luring sometimes that it, 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 it makes us just want to chase everything but God. How many know the devil doesn't care what you worship except the true God? You can worship the most ridiculous things, stupid things. I was talking to someone the other day and, and on their wall, they had like 250 pairs of shoes. I was like, look at that. I thought they were, it looked like it was Foot Locker. No, that was their house. I was on a Zoom call with them. I was like, what's going on back there? He's like, don't worry. I got this pair for $110. I can sell it for $2,700. I was like, well, why don't you teach me that? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you can worship anything. You can worship material goods. You can worship success. You can worship women. You can worship men. You can worship your career. You can worship anything. But God says in John chapter 4, He's seeking those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Now let's get into, let's get into being battle strong. Someone say battle strong. Battlestrong. Come on, say battle strong. Someone say, I need to be, need to be. Battle, strong. battle strong. Say, my family, my family. needs me to be, needs to be. battle strong. Battle. Say, this generation, this generation needs, me needs me to be battle strong. Someone say, this church, this church needs, me needs me to be battle strong. Someone say, the kingdom of God, kingdom of God needs, me needs me to be battle strong. 
Oh, I think you're ready. Judges 7 verse 1. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. I want you to notice God's desire for them to be dependent on him. Number one today, if you haven't taken notes already, you'll make me feel better about myself. Number one today, to become battle strong, we must value dependence. To become battle strong, we must value dependence. God is actually rescuing Israel. He has shown up in Judges chapter six to Gideon. The Midianites are deeply and badly oppressing the people of God for seven years. Some would say seven years. They have gone through famine and they are literally being really starved to death. It is a bad situation and God looks for a man of courage and He takes Gideon who is weak and scared and hiding and He literally begins to form him and shape him and to make him to be battle strong. You always find in Scripture, every time God shows up to the person, they're normally not battle strong, but He's gonna make them battle strong. They are normally not. You and I, when God finds us, we're not all strong. Haven't you noticed that? When God found you, you probably weren't at the best stage of your life, but He still wants you and will take you on the process if you let Him to be battle strong. But I want you to see quickly that God takes 30,000 people and all of a sudden He says, no, 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 there's too many of you. You need dependence. Dependence on God. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, B, someone say B. Be filled with the Spirit. That's not a one-time thing. That's a continual and constant dependent on the Spirit of the living God. The Bible says over and over again, you can look at it in Psalm 1 or Joshua 1 and Deuteronomy 6 and Matthew chapter 4 and Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, 5 and 6. You see it everywhere where the people of God are encouraged time and time again, not just to be filled with the Spirit, but to be filled with the Word of God. Someone say, I need the Word of God. When Jesus is tempted by Satan in the desert, He is squeezed, He is tempted, and what flows out of Him is the Word. You'll always find what's in you when you're squeezed. You'll always find what's in you when you're squeezed. But if you keep putting good things in you, eventually when someone squeezes you, better things are gonna come out of you. Man, you might be leaving the parking lot today and someone squeezes you because you're in a rush. And how many of you know that sometimes you just found out you're not as holy as you thought? <laughs> but keep putting that Word into you. Keep putting that Word into you. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. Keep doing it. Eventually, you'd be surprised at your responses. Eventually, you go, oh, bless them. I'll just be praying for their soul. To become battle strong, we must value dependence. Someone say dependence. God has made the faith life so that you must be dependent on Him. God has made preaching so that you must be dependent on Him. But God has made your music gift and your business gift so that you are dependent on Him. Some of you can be so successful and will already, some of you are already super successful. But how many know you need dependence on God so that your gift doesn't become your God? But God becomes your God. See, you might be gifted in so many different ways, but if you're not dependent, your heart can become haughty and actually your gift 
actually can blind you instead of be a blessing to you. Oh, what happened to, to various singers who were amazing singers, gospel singers. They started out in the church. Then they became famous. Then they became famous. Then they get lured. Then they get on drugs. Then they get on drugs. 20, 30 years later and, and they, they die. And you're like, they used to be in the house of God, but they got lured by their own gift. Just because you got a business gift doesn't mean you don't need the house of God. Just because you got a music gift doesn't mean you don't need the house of God. You have a leadership gift. Whatever the gift you have, it needs the house of God. That's the way God has built you. That's the way God has wired you. Are you with me? To become battle strong, we must feed faith and reject fear. Someone say, feed faith. Your faith needs feeding. Haven't you found that? It needs feeding time and time and time again. First Peter 2, 2, uh, Peter is speaking to the church. He says, like newborn babies, he says, crave the spiritual milk of the Word so that you might grow thereby. You need the Word. You need to feed faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to hear it over and over and over again. Feed faith. One of the great challenges over the last two to three years has been this constant surrounding of our culture around fear. And I have found time and time again, I feel like I need to boost faith, feed faith, preach faith, so that you and I are not surrounded by fear, but faith. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Say that with me. For God, for God has, not has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So who wants to give you a spirit of fear? Somewhere in the range in Scriptures, depending on the translation, 365 times to even upwards of almost 400 times, the Bible would say, do not be afraid. Over and over again, it says, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. That's a decision sometimes. I've been, I've been surprised how many times as I've led this church, you might be like, Pastor, you're a man of faith. How many know that the journey of faith bumps along fear a lot? The journey of leadership actually bumps along fear a lot. And so I found that there's fear and I found that there's fear, but I have to keep feeding faith and actually sometimes walk and be afraid and decide anyway. And as I decide anyway, I've found that faith gets on me, but also courage seems to get on me as well. And before you know it, it's like fear seems to kind of dilute itself and I don't hear its voice anymore. To become battle strong, we must feed faith and reject fear. Number three. Actually, give, let me give you a great prayer that I think you should pray. God, show me where I'm in fear. God, show me where I'm in fear. Because it's not often obvious when, when you're in fear. Don't think that you have to be trembling, walking around, thinking you're in fear. No, the fear of man is a snare. The Bible says it literally snares people. It stops them 
loving people sometimes. It actually stops them being generous sometimes. The fear of man will stop you inviting someone to church. The fear of man will, will stop you telling your story. The fear of man will stop you telling the truth. The fear of man will stop leaders and pastors. The fear of man is actually sometimes when you first step into leadership. Here's a funny thing. Some of you have been serving a while and you stepped into leadership and you didn't realise that fear started showing up as you're leading. Do they like me? Do they like me? Do they like me? That's fear, people. It's subtle. You spoke and you're like, huh? You led a transformed group. Like, did it go good? I'm not sure. Did it go good? And you had to look yourself in the mirror and say, you're good enough, you're smart enough and people like you. Sometimes you have to firm yourself. Sometimes you've got to be the encourager to your own self. Isn't that right, Andrew Hartwig? Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself. Amen. Amen. Anyway, number three. Number three. To become battle strong, we must value preparation. How many know I was at the side of the road and I wasn't prepared? I was missing a tool. In this story, in the text, Gideon, God sees 10,000 men. And it's a unique story because most of the time he doesn't do this. This is a one-off, so it's not like God's gonna do this every time, but God takes 10,000 men and he says to Gideon, you got too many men. So he takes them on this one journey and they're, they're dry and they're hot and they need some water. And so they're, they're thirsty. And then he takes them to this river and everyone's thirsty. And he says, here's how you're gonna choose the men that I want you to battle and win this battle with. And 9,700 men literally get down on their knees like hands and dogs, like my dog, uh, uh, and lick the water like they're a puppy. And 300 men drop to one knee, scoop the water up, drink it, but their eyes are still up. They're still thinking like a soldier. They're still waiting, they're still prepared. They're still, they're not, they're not bowing their head. They're literally looking up, I'm still prepared. If the enemy comes now, I'm still watching. I am prepared for the battle. I'm ready for the battle, I'm, I'm prepared. God is looking for people who are prepared. You know your teen years are pre- preparation for your 20s. Your 20s are preparation for your 30s. Your 30s are preparation for your 40s. 40s are preparation for your 50s, 50s. Preparation for your 60s, 60s, for your 70s, 70s, for your 80s. And one day for eternity. Life is about preparation. Amen. That's an anointed baby. I find I have a grace with babies. They just seem to yell out at the right time in church. I'm telling you, we've got anointed babies in this church. Last point, let me close. To become battle strong, we must value unity over individual opinion. Now, I'm not saying don't have any, uh, an opinion, but I wanted to point you to a text here, Judges chapter 7, verse 20. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches. Someone say torches. Someone say trumpets. Say torch. Someone say trumpet. In their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets, they were to blow and they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And I, it, it, it's a weird text because here's the funny thing. They've got, a, they've got a trumpet in one hand 
and they've got a torch in another hand and they've got to yell for the, a sword for the Lord of Gideon. They don't have any swords. And how many of you kind of think when Gideon gave the command, you're going to shout a sword for the Lord and for Gideon, someone maybe pipe up and just go, hey Gideon, don't got no sword, buddy. Maybe not a great plan because we've surrounded the enemies. And then the other idea is when they break the thing that was covering the torch, how many know that all of a sudden their enemy now knows where they are? So now they know where you are and there's 100,000 of them and there's 300 of them and you're standing there with no swords. It's one of the dumbest battle plans ever. If God wasn't in it, if God wasn't in it, it was dumb. But if God was in it, it was going to work. And the Midianites get so scared and they literally begin to cut themselves and fight against themselves. And it was their unity. Watch this now. Someone say unity. unity. It was the fact they were united which actually brought about the victory. And I just wondered to myself how many times Christians, we, we, we disagree with 2% of what's going on sometimes in a church. I didn't agree with that song. I didn't agree with that thing. And, and they'll jump from church to church to church, but never jump in the ring and never jump in the battle. You know what Gideon needed? He needed 300 united men. 300 people that said, hey, we're about this mission that you're about. Because Gideon was about God's mission. Let me give you a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. Says this, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man or the woman who is actually in the arena. Someone say in the arena. Whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood and who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Theodore Roosevelt. Gideon's 300 didn't attend the battle. They were united. Families don't fail for not attending. They fail because they don't unite. Churches don't fail because no one attends them. They fail because no one unites. Let me ask you a question. Are you in the battle? Are you in the battle? Are you serving somewhere? Are you serving somewhere? Jesus said, you can be great. You're like, Jesus, I, I want to be great. Please, Jesus, I want to be great. And he's like, serve. He's like, no, 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 I just, I just want to be great. He's like, no, 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 you serve. He's like, uh, greatness, can I get the pin? He's like, yes, if you'll take on servant. Whatever your talent, whatever your personality, whatever your gift, Humble it under the hand of God and build His kingdom. Unite. Serve. Let me close with this thought. I was watching Braveheart recently. 
which is normally the will of God. <laughs> it's watching Braveheart. It's the story of obviously William Wallace. He goes to one of the battlefields and he asks the nobles to join him. And they're battling and they're fighting. And then all of a sudden there's this moment where he takes this flag and he begins to ask the nobles to come. And because the nobles slightly disagreed with his methods, they were Scotsmen, but they end up departing and they signed a deal so they get more land in England. Because they disagreed a little bit, they ended up betraying their country. And they would have won the war had they united. And I wonder to myself sometimes how many people end up stop battling for the kingdom of God because they disagree with one thing or two things or they got offended. Let me tell you, I've been around church life long enough. You're going to get offended. Someone's going to let you down. You're like, Pastor, your church is perfect. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. It's not perfect. It's, it's good. It's strong. It's healthy. But you're here, right? And I'm here. If we'd all leave, it'd be perfect. But since we're here, it ain't perfect. And too many Christians are I, 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 I. Part of your maturity is getting over it. You know, amen. I'm telling you. Recently, my daughter was doing a little karate. And they graduate you, obviously, from white belt. You know, you get a little yellow tip after that, and you go to the next thing, and next thing, and next thing. And I thought to myself recently, some Christians literally will do church alive college, get a master's degree, get a, get a doctorate degree, and they know all this stuff, yet someone offends them one time, and they fail the test. And they're like, but I know a lot. No one cares. Let me tell you how you graduate from white belt to yellow belt. It isn't at Church Alive College. It's actually when you do Church Alive College and then you start serving somewhere and you get discouraged and you learn to encourage yourself. Or someone upsets you and you actually forgive them. You let it go. You get over it. Guess when you get the yellow belt? Sometimes Christians are like, hey, I'm beyond this. And I'm like, you keep failing your white belt test. What's a white belt test in Christianity? What What It's a simple forgiveness thing. I got some black belts over here. I'm just showing you how to do it, you know? <laughs> Turn your name and say, you're gonna have to forgive. It's just part of the game. Pastor, I know a lot. Pastor, I can quote Revelation. I can tell you about the four horsemen and the apocalypse. I can tell you even what politician is the Antichrist and who isn't. I only read out the King James Version of the Bible because I'm that spiritual. But I'm too good to serve. I'm too good to forgive. 
and I'll tell you how to handle money, but I won't give a dollar. What the? Oh, I'm having too much fun here. Just, uh, I am anyway, you know. <laughs> Come on, close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your people. I just pray. Holy Spirit, take these moments. Oh, take these moments, Lord. Pour your miracles upon them. Pour your grace upon them. Pour your strength upon them. God, I pray for one who's been battle weary. I pray for one who's served. I pray for one who got tired. I pray for one who maybe stopped looking at you, who started performing out of religious obligation instead of strength of spirit. Father, I pray you would strengthen your sons and strengthen your daughters right now. I pray for one who lost their joy. I pray, Lord God, there would be a bestowing of joy in this place. Lord, I pray over families and marriages and homes and lives. I pray over vision. Lord, I pray over everything they are, your people. They are your people. They are your sons. So Lord, would you bless them exceedingly and abundantly. Lord, begin to stir your people for the greatness you have for them individually. But Lord, family wise and corporately, Lord, in Jesus' Name, do something significant, Lord, through this house. Father, I thank You for the opportunity, Lord, for our 6 p.m. service. And I just pray, Lord, that You begin to stir Your people even now to, to who to invite and who to bring. And You'd bring the right people to the right place and right team. And I just pray You position people, Lord, where they need to be, where, where it would mature them the best and the most, Lord. So Lord, would You move and do what only You can do, Father, in Jesus' Name, I pray. In Jesus' Name, with eyes closed all across this place. Eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never said yes to the King. Of all kings, there is a real God, there is a real devil, there is a real heaven, there is a real hell. And Jesus stepped out of heaven, literally bankrupted it lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, rose bodily. His Spirit is all across the earth, wooing people to Himself. The Bible says He stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears His voice and opens the door, He will come in and be a friend of them. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the Name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you're in this place right now and you have never said yes yet to Christ. I want to include you in a prayer. But there's another kind of person that I want to include in a prayer. I want to include in the prayer the person who's been running from God, who knows God, who knows you're a Christian, but you've been lured, you've been tempted. Somehow you got lost along the journey. Two types of people. One, you've never said yes to Jesus. Two, you need to come back to God. You need to surrender. We're gonna pray a simple prayer. And that prayer can lead you to Him. Come on, with a humble heart, but a heart full of faith. Say, Jesus, thank You for loving me when I didn't love You. Thank You. I believe You died on the cross for me, for my sin, my mistakes, my pains. Thank You. You are the bridge to the Father by faith. I step on 
I receive your grace right now. I become your child. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Wash me clean. From this day on, help me follow you for the rest of my days. Help me know you. Help me hear your voice. Help me follow you. Help me fulfill my purpose. I ask you now, in Jesus' name, while eyes are closed all across this place, if you meant business with God, you said, Anthony, I've never received Christ. I'm receiving Christ today. Or number two, I've been running away from God. I need to come back to God. All across this place, raise your hand. Raise it up high, long enough and high enough for me to see it. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all across this place. The very back, in the middle. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, touch every heart right now. Draw every person who needs to come home. Everyone that needs to come home. All across this place right now. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand out. Father, I thank you for every hand, every man, every woman. In the mighty name of Jesus, bless your people. Bless them. Lord, strengthen them. Help them see your grace. Help them walk with you, I pray. Fill every heart. Fill every, every home, I pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand one more time.